Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. Some of you may know, I was a youth minister for many, many years. Um, I was always kind of childlike, and some people would say childish, and some of you know that that's the case still. But uh, one of my favorite things to do is play versions of hide-and-seek. Is anybody else with me on that? Y'all, did y'all enjoy that? I will play right now if y'all want to pick up, take a pause, and we'll do that. But I know that's not responsible. But I love things like hide-and-seek because I am actually really good at playing hide-and-seek. And there's a game that, um, I don't know who came up with it, but I've played it for years. And it's a game called Sardines. Has anybody ever heard of it? It's a little bit like reverse hide-and-seek where one person goes and hides and then everybody else goes and spreads out and looks for them. And the idea is that when you find the person who's hiding, you quietly get into the spot with them. Now, so it's a little bit of strategy because the idea is you want there to, to not everybody find it at once. So if you find someone and there's somebody else around you looking, you want to kind of play it cool and then like circle back and come back and hide like that. Well, every now and then the kids would let me at my particular youth ministry I was at in Chocowinity, North Carolina, they would let me hide, but um, they didn't let me do it a lot because I was always too good at hiding, but they let me hide this one time. This is big old church building. And so I went and I went into this storage room room that it was like a it was a good sized room it was actually an office that was being used as storage room and it had these built-in bookcases and it had like these built-in cabinets and all that sort of stuff well I climbed up onto the the countertop and then climbed up on top of uh, uh, some bookcases and so I was like a foot from the ceiling it wasn't a lot of space and I literally just laid across the top of the bookshelves and so I laid there and I laid there and I laid there and finally some some people started coming in and the rule is you're not supposed to turn the lights on you know that's cheating right you're not supposed to use flashlights or anything like that and so they came in and it was a really dark room there were no windows in the room and so most of them would like crack the door be like nope not in there because they didn't want to go into the dark well there was a couple of guys in my youth group there were you know they were older guys and so they came in and they they cheated they cheated they flipped the lights on and so I was like man mm, I was mad because they cheated it's like they're gonna find me because they cheated well they didn't see me I was like a foot and a half above their eye line, and so they never even looked around and saw me. It was like they walk in the door, and I'm right up here. They never looked and saw me. And so I was like, okay, so good thing I didn't blow my cover, and they flipped the light off, and two or three different people came in and, you know, looked around, and all of a sudden, well, these two guys, I mean, I'm talking 45 minutes later. I couldn't feel my legs, y'all. It was, it was bad. 45 minutes later, they come back in, and this time they cheat a little bit, but they, they do this. They turn on the light of their cell phone. They don't turn on the room light, and they're looking around. And so my head's right here. The door's right here. This cabinet is right here between us. And they decide, hey, we didn't look in this cabinet last time. And they're all talking. You see the light moving around a little bit. They quietly open the door of this cabinet. And so they've got the light like this, and they're like, nope. And just as they're sitting there, I put my face down in the light, and I said, are you looking for me? And they said, and all you can see was the light just like shaking like ah! and I mean they screamed like little girls I mean for like 30 seconds and it was the best thing in my entire life really I mean kids are up having kids and getting married is up there it's up there but no I mean <laughs> I don't tell as many stories about that as I do about finding those kids but anyway but it was a fun time and the reason I tell you that is this 
I don't know about y'all, but I, I I don't really watch horror movies anymore. I still like a good like thriller type movie, uh, you know, like The Quiet Place. I don't know if any of y'all seen that movie, but movies that are like you know jump scares, they those are ones I really like. And honestly, it, it, all the gory stuff, you know, I, I I try to avoid a lot of that nowadays. I used to watch a lot of it, but the jump stuff is really really scary. Am I right? You know, in real life, when you're walking around, you know, in some scenario where it's out and it's a dark place and something jumps out, you know, a cat runs out in front of you, that'll make you really scream. The monster that I want to talk about today is a little bit like that. The monster I want to talk about today is the monster of greed. The monster of greed is a little bit of a jump scare because it's not necessarily a monster that we think of as being really, really scary. And it can hide and it can jump out and catch you when you least expect it in ways that you least expect it. It'll jump out and it'll get you. See, nobody goes around saying I'm greedy. You know, we, we talked about anger and some of us will admit that we struggle with anger problems. And, you know, I joke around about anger a lot. And, and I've had my moments with anger, but I, I, I'm not always angry. You know, not always. Uh, close. But anyway, but we, some of us will say we're angry. And then some of us, if we're brave, we'll talk about we have struggled with fear. You know, it's one of the first ones we talked about. Some of us will be very, very brave and we'll talk about that we struggle with lust even. But not many of us will say... I'm greedy, you know, but greed is a real monster. It's out there. They'll say things like if they struggle with greed or you'll say things like, or I'll say things like, I'm careful. I'm careful with my money. And greed can hide behind a lot of virtues, a lot of good things. Greedy people can be savers, you know, and that's a good thing. Saving is a good thing, but they can be savers. Greedy people can be planners. And just because you're a planner doesn't mean you're greedy. You understand what I'm saying here. But greedy people can be planners. Greedy people can say things like, I want to make sure that my future is secure. There again, it's okay to look out for your future, but you might be struggling with greed too. You see, all these things are good things, but greed can undertake you and overtake you in ways that you least expect it. And the reality is... We hide the greed monster from ourselves really, really well. As we said, hardly any of us would stand up and say, I'm greedy. I don't like to share. I didn't like to share when I was three, and I don't like to share that I'm 33. <laughs> you know, we wouldn't say that. But we understand this truth. We can hide it from ourselves, but we don't usually hide it very well from other people, do we? And if people were being open and upfront with us, they might tell us, yeah, you're, you're kind of greedy. You see, greedy people talk a lot and worry a lot about money. They worry a lot about it and they talk a lot about it. Greedy people are not cheerful givers. They are not cheerful givers. They are reluctant to share, like we just said. Greedy people also can be poor losers. They can be poor losers. They don't like to lose anything, much less money. Greedy people can quibble over small amounts of money. You ever run across somebody like that? You know, you split, uh, you know, a couple of cups of coffee and you're like, ah, I'm short. And, you know, and they cover you and, you know, a cup of coffee is like 235. And like three days later, they're like, hey, where's that 235 plus interest? You ever, y'all don't hang out with people like that? Okay. All right. Well, anyway, they, they quibble over insignificant sums of money. They talk as if they just have enough to get by. Now, maybe this one's a little more clear in your mind. They say, oh, well, I, I would help out. I would give, but I've just got enough for me. And that might be the case sometimes, but oftentimes it's not the truth. 
They create a culture of uh, secrecy around them and, and their finances and their funds and their stuff. And they won't let you forget what they've done for you. Maybe that one rings a bell in your mind. They always remind you of what they did for you because they just can't give freely. Or they attempt to control other people with their money. And I bet the light just went on really bright for a lot of us. We know people like that, that just try to control others with their money. But here's the truth that I want us to stop, pause, and listen to really quickly, okay? Because if you don't consider yourself wealthy, you may automatically be tuning me out. You may automatically be tuning me out. But greed is not a respecter of wealth. There are many greedy rich people, and there are many greedy poor people. Greed is not a respecter of wealth. It is a very equal opportunity monster. It will take over anybody that will, it will allow it in. And greed isn't a financial issue. It's a heart issue. Because it's not necessarily just about money. So how do you know if this is your problem? If this is the problem that's infecting your heart? If this is the monster that's really overtaking you? How do you know if greed is the one? Do you ask questions that you hope make you look like a careful steward of your money when really you're just trying to keep from giving it to anybody? And what I mean is this. is like, um, well, is this money going to be used wisely? Is it going to be used wisely? And any little, any little thing, a pink flag, you'd be like, nope, I'm out. It only have to be red. A pink flag. You're like, I'm out. You know, is that what you do? Um, are there always strings attached to the gifts that you give? I, I'm going to give to you, but it's going to have a cost. Do your family or friends hate bringing up financial issues around you? Maybe, maybe greed is something you struggle with. Maybe it's your monster. But, but what's the big deal? You may be thinking, if, if greed is something you struggle with, you may be thinking, well, it's not my fault that I'm smart with my money and those losers aren't. <laughs> you might be thinking that. And it, because it seems like a good idea. But look at this warning from Jesus. In Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 15. We have the scripture on the screen. Of course, you can turn along and follow along in your Bible. Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 15. And Jesus says this. Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Jesus says, watch out. Greed is a dangerous and a deadly monster. He says, your life isn't all about your stuff. But it's easy, isn't it, Facebook watchers? It's easy to say, life is all about my stuff and I've got to protect my stuff or my life is going to be over. It's a simple lie to believe that my stuff is my life. It's so simple to fall into that trap and think my stuff is my life. And when people mess with your stuff then you automatically translate it into what? It's life-threatening. And so you protect your stuff. You protect your money. Um, I just recently saw a, a video that kind of went viral where this guy is proposing to his girlfriend and they've got, you know, this like hidden camera, somebody off to the side, and he misdirects her attention. They're standing there like this and he, he points her this other direction and what he does, you look down and he's got um, 
Jordan 1s, like Michael Jordan's the first edition Jordans on. And, you know, if you know anything about, you know, if you're a sneakerhead, I'm not. I can't afford, I like sneakers, but I can't afford the nice ones. You know, you don't want to crease the top, right? You don't want to crease the top. And so literally, he misdirects her, pulls the ring out of his pocket, and in one fell motion, he kicks his shoe off because he doesn't want to bend the... I kid you not. He literally kicks off his Jordan. Can y'all see what I'm doing here? He kicks off and he's got, he don't want to crease when he bends his toe to, to, to propose. And she don't even realize. He probably cares more. I don't know. Maybe he don't. But he might care more about the Jordans than he does about her. I don't know if that's a red flag. That's definitely a pink flag. But anyway. But the thing is, is that it's easy to care so much about your stuff. And if I had Jordans, I probably wouldn't get them creased either. But do you care more about your stuff than you do about relationships? You know what the driving force behind greed is? It's the first monster that we talked about a few weeks ago. And I know you all remember exactly everyone we talked about, right? Nod your head and say yeah, it. make me feel better. Okay. It's fear. F- fear. Fear. Yeah, y'all filled in a blank. It, it, it's fear. Fear is a driving force behind greed oftentimes. You're afraid of what you will not have if you won't have enough, if there won't be enough provided for you. And it leads to an endless string of what ifs. What if it gets scratched? What if it gets lost? What if there's not enough at the end of the month? What if I don't get my fair share? Greed can get lodged in our hearts when we're afraid that maybe God won't or can't take care of me and he can't take care of me like what I want to be cared for so the result is greedy people are seldom at peace with others and they are seldom at peace with themselves they're never at peace with themselves and then it seeps into every relationship it's not just about money and some of you might be thinking you know but there are even a couple places in Proverbs that mention preparing for your future and the unknowns in life, and, and that's true. You know, you can say, well, I'm only thinking of my kids' future, I'm only thinking of my family's future, and I don't want to, them to struggle like I did. But let's dig a little bit deeper. Let's look at this in a more sincere light. You see, we mentioned what Jesus said. Jesus said, watch out for all types of greed. Why? Because he knew that greed was a sneaky monster that would catch us off guard. Look at Luke chapter 12, verse 16 and 17, continuing on where we read. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. You see, saving is not the issue. Saving's not the issue. It goes on in verse 18. It says, then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, self, (laughs) you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. You know, that, that phrase has been used so many times and you find it in scripture. Eat, drink, and be merry. He said, Jesus is saying, make sure you don't live your life like this. Here's the issue. This guy never, ever stopped to say, maybe God gave me this stuff. He's only thinking what he has done. I planted, I watered, I harvested, it's mine. He's not stopping to think that God had blessed him and that maybe God had a plan for all that extra that God had blessed him with. 
He never even considered it. And you and I can easily become this rich farm owner, this rich landowner. We can have that attitude. When we get a little bit extra, we forget, oh, God gave this to me. And just maybe he's got a plan for that extra. Maybe it's not just meant to accrue in my bank accounts. Maybe it's meant to be a blessing to other people. You know, God does bless us with extra for a purpose. You know, it's interesting. Jesus uses this example of farming because is there really any profession that relies on the provision of God more than farming? You know, you you spend thousands and thousands of dollars to go buy seed and all the equipment and stuff like that. And you put it in the ground and you hope and you pray that it comes forth. And so Jesus used the example of a farmer and they have to trust. And we too need to remember that we're just like farmers. We need God's provision every step of the way. If we're going to succeed in this life, if we're going to survive, if we're going to thrive, we need God's provision. And so the farmer should have asked this question and we should too. Lord, what do you want me to do with my extra? That's the question. I don't care if it's a penny extra. I don't care if it's a hundred million dollars extra. Lord, what do you want me to do with the extra that I don't have a need for right now? Don't, don't misunderstand me. Don't hear, oh, you, you just don't want me to have nice stuff. That's not what I'm talking about at all. You can have nice stuff and still be very generous. And what are you going to do with your extra? Ask God. Andy Stanley coined a little phrase. He says, this guy and most of our problems is BBS, bigger barn syndrome. When we get a little bit extra, that's what we do. We say, well, I just need a little bit bigger barns. The problem is not in the amount of stuff because is there ever enough stuff? Because when you get more, you always what? Want more. And it's never enough. So if if you focus on stuff, if you focus on money, if you focus on material things... Unless you learn the right heart and attitude, it will never be enough. Most of our lives are are full of stuff and stuff that we don't even need and don't use. And we could sell it and do a lot of good with it. Do you know how much money was spent on storage, the storage industry in 2020 in the United States? $39 billion with a B. Billion. $39 billion spent in 2020 on storage. Uh, They estimate that in the year 2024, it will be $49 billion. Every year, we say we don't have money. It's probably not a lot of rich folks putting stuff in storage units. I'll say that. You know, we spend a lot of money on holding our stuff that we don't even know we have because it's been in storage so long we forgot about it. We get so caught up in stuff. And so just like the rich man, we forget to consider God. When it came to his stuff, we forget the same thing. We forget to consider what God wants us to do. And just like that guy, he forgot about the stuff. He also forgot about how God is in control of his time. He says in verse 20, it says, But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. He was so worried that he was in control of his stuff. He forgot that God was not only in control of his stuff, but God was in control of his life. 
And God called him a fool in this story that Jesus is telling. He's saying, you fool, you don't realize you are going to lose your life this very night. He assumed that the abundance of his stuff assured him an abundance of time. And when we start to gather a lot of stuff, we can easily think that. We sort of think we're little gods, right? We're little gods. And look at all this I've acquired and all this I've worked hard for. You know? And then we translate that to even our time and our life. And we think we can extend life. We just don't know how much time we have left. I hope and pray that this last year and a half, two years, has reminded us of that more than ever because too many of us have stood around or know people who have stood around graves of people who are gone far too soon. You do not know how much time you have left. And so that's what Jesus is trying to get us to understand. He wanted to know that he also had control of his time. God wanted him to know this. And most of us will run out of time before we ever run out of stuff. We're all equally dependent on God for our stuff and our time. Verse 20, part B, if you will, the second half of verse 20 says this. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? God asked him in this parable, in this story. He says, your life's going to be taken from you. Then who's going to get everything you work for? I guarantee it's going to be somebody who does not appreciate it as much as you. And that's true for us and that's true for the guy in the story. The people that didn't work for it are going to get it. We've got to wake up because the definition that Jesus gives of a greedy person is right here in verse 21. He says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. If you want a good working definition of what a greedy person is, it's someone who is not rich toward God. And you have to ask the question, I have to ask the question, am I rich toward God? So what's the warning then from verse 21? Is it death is coming? It's coming regardless, right? Is it unexpected death? No, that's not really the warning. The warning is it happens to everyone. This is it. The warning is this. Don't waste your time on earth preparing for life and treasure that doesn't last. Prepare for eternity. Prepare for heaven. That's the warning. Death is going to come for every single person. It might be unexpected. It might be a long run up, but it's coming. Don't worry about that. That is going to happen. Prepare for the life to come. In the words of Jesus, this guy was a fool, but sadly a fool that most of us would have looked up to because he had a lot of stuff. Not many of us know the names of people who have a little bit but are very generous with it. We know the names of people who have a lot and tend to hold on to it. It's been said many times, your money or your life. And we know what a burglar, what a burglar, when he says that to us, we know what to say to him or her. But when God says your money or your life, what do we say? So what do you do to loosen the hold of greed? We might say, why? Why does it even matter? We've got no problem asking God why when we don't have enough, but let's start asking God when we have more than enough. Why do I have this, God? You see what I'm saying? When, when we don't have enough, it's easy to cry out to God, why, why, why won't you bless me? Why won't you give me more? But then when we've got extra, we don't often pause and say, God, why did you give me this extra? 
What do I need to do with it? We, chances are we've probably already got a list of stuff that we want to do with that extra. But maybe God has a different plan. Most of us, if we're honest and we're real about it, most of us have more than enough. If you look at other parts of the world especially, most Americans are in the top 5% of wealth in this world. Even though we, I mean, some of us might be really struggling here. I, I'm not denying that fact. We've all had very lean times, I'm sure, in our lives. Most of us have. There are exceptions. Yes, most of us have more than enough. But if we do have enough, why is that? Is it to simply leave it to your children? Because let's be honest, we all have heard horror stories of people who had great wealth and left it to their children, and it did not end well for their kids. So that's not necessarily the answer to just leave it to your children. How about this? So that you wouldn't worry? Is, it so, is that why you've got more stuff so you wouldn't worry? Um, my cousin is a guy named Christopher Wallace. Some of you might know him as Notorious B.I.G. Um, my last name's Wallace, in case you didn't know. Uh, he said, mo' money. Y'all don't know what Biggie said? Mo' money, mo' problems. Thank you, thank you. He said, mo' money, mo' problems. Because the more money you have, the more problems you have. You don't just have more stuff and then life gets peaceful. Oftentimes, it's much worse. Is it so you could retire early? If you do that, great, that's fine. But don't just follow that rich man's advice. Don't just eat, drink, and be merry. Continue to invest in eternity. Is it so that you could elevate your standard of living? We've already talked about that. Just because your standard of living is better doesn't mean your life is going to be better. Doesn't mean your quality of life is going to be better. So that's not necessarily the issue. If you don't have any margin, the more money you have, the more problems you're going to have, and you're going to be more wasteful, and you're going to still be wanting more and needing more. And when the pressure's on and the money's tight, we've got little choice but to be greedy. But the key here to beating this monster is this. Greed is conquered by generosity. Whether or not you think you have extra, give and give generously. And greed will start to lose its grip on you. To experience this, you have to give to the point that it forces you to adjust your lifestyle. You need to give so that it causes you to stretch and trust in faith a little bit. If you're consuming to the point where you have nothing to give, greed has a hold on you. If you don't have anything extra, greed might have a hold on you. If you're consuming and you're saving to the point where you have nothing to give, greed might have a hold on you. You may have felt the tension of wanting to give but not being able to. You've never really felt greedy, but you just feel unstable. And a lot of us could probably nod our heads to that, right? So what do you do if you find yourself in that boat? First, give before your fear disappears. Because when you have a scarcity mindset, and, a lot, and I've struggled with that still struggle from time to time. But when you have a scarcity mindset, that scarcity mindset takes a long time to go away. So if you want to get rid of this monster of, of greed, it's time to start giving even when you still have some fear. Because as we talked about, that's what faith really is. Fear comes, then we have faith, and we move forward. So give even in the face of fear. You can't wait until you're in shape to start working out, can you? 
You got to exercise so that you can get in shape. If you want to become a generous giver, then you've got to start giving even when it's scary, even when it's tough. You have to give before sometimes you're even cheerful. Scripture talks about being a cheerful giver, but sometimes you have to start the process before you're cheerful. But I will guarantee you almost every time the cheerfulness will come really quickly. The more that you trust God, the more that you see what he does with your giving. Give until you're cheerful. Here's another thing you do. Become a percentage giver right off the top. If you take the attitude, well, I'm going to give when there's extra, there will probably never be extra. But if you say, I'm going to trust God, I'm going to, I'm going to give a certain percentage right off the top. Whatever that percentage is, that's up to you and God. You make that decision. But I'm going to give right off the top at the first of the month when I get my check or whatever it is, however you're paid. Say, God, I'm going to give to you first. Assure that God's kingdom is funded before yours is. That his work can be done. Let yourself live off the leftovers instead of saying, God, you live off the leftovers. If it scares you, start with 2%. Work your way up. Work toward a goal uh, of a number that stretches you and calls you to rely on God. You give him. There's an NFL player by the name of uh, Brandon Copeland who makes a lot of headlines because he lives on 10% of his income. Now, granted, his 10% is a lot bigger than most of our 10%. But a lot of NFL players, a lot of uh, major league sports uh, athletes and, and wealthy entertainers and things like that, they just live such lavish lives. They have, you know, gold-encrusted toilet seats and all kinds of silliness, right? But he says, no, I'm going to live on 10%, and I'm going to give and save and do the rest with everything else, and I'm going to help build something that matters and something that lasts. And one more thing that you can do to help yourself beat the monster of greed is become a spontaneous giver as well. Begin to give regularly, but then say, God, when there's a need, help me to meet it. I'll be honest, this is a way that Sherry really challenged me and, and helped me. She was a more generous giver when we got married, and she helped me learn to grow in that. And so now when we get a little bit of extra money every now and then, we don't just say, okay, we've got extra. We're going to hold on to that. We've already given regularly, right? We've already given regularly. But when we get extra, we say, oh, I'm not, we're not just going to hold on to every single bit of that. We're going to try to give from that as well. Because it just shows us God always provides. God always shows up. God always steps up. And just maybe one of the many times that people and, and God has blessed us with a little bit extra, maybe we get to be the hands and feet of Jesus to bless somebody else. And we may not even know what God is doing through us. And it might seem like, you know, 10 bucks or whatever. It might seem like nothing to us, but I cannot tell you how many stories that I've lived and I've heard when sometimes people were $10 short or $20 short or $77 short and God provided through one of his people just the right amount. And people's faith was increased so be a spontaneous giver as well. You know, having money is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing at all. It's not knowing why you have that money that's a bad thing. Why? Remember that we're managers, we're not owners. We don't, shouldn't feel guilty, but we should feel responsible to help out and be a blessing. You see, the summary of all this is, and I, and I am wrapping this up, believe me. <laughs> when we don't understand the total lordship of Jesus, it's when we struggle the most of letting go and trusting God. But when you let go of greed, 
and you allow that monster to have no power in your life. You'll be free from the fear of loss. You'll be free in this life and you'll be more concerned about helping others to help them gain life in the next life and not just so much about the here and now. The greed monster doesn't just show up with money, as we said. It can show up with time and energy as well. And I've got something I want to share with you. I kind of teased earlier that there was a way that we can serve. It just got sort of dropped in our laps. Right before I went to ICOM on this weekend, I was speaking with a social worker from the school here at Hodge Road. And if you don't know, we try to sponsor kids in the community every year that wouldn't have Christmas otherwise, and we buy Christmas gifts, and we're working on that. We were trying to get names. And she said, absolutely, I can get you the names of some children who won't have a good Christmas without you guys. But then she paused, and she said, uh, her voice kind of did what mine did. She said, every day I'm walking around the halls of this school right here, And I'm seeing teachers that are broken. She said, for two years, their life, and she said, I know it's everybody's life, but their life has been utterly chaotic. And she shared with me some stories that have happened here at Hodge Road that I can't say right here on video for the whole wide world to hear. But she shared with me stories and she broke down and she lost it for a moment. And I'm telling you, I lost it for a moment because it was heartbreaking that these teachers were not able to to open up and share with anybody because they're told you can't discuss this kind of stuff. And I'm telling you, what she said was this. She said, would you consider, your church consider doing something where these teachers and these staff can just come and just breathe and laugh and have some time to enjoy one another's company. She said, I know it's sort of last minute, you know, before the end of this year. She said, but would you consider? I said, absolutely. We're going to do something. Because I know that you guys and the many watching and the many people that are normally here, we are not greedy people. We are people who trust that God is more important and the kingdom and eternal life is more important. And so I said, yes, we're going to do something. And I don't know what it is. This literally, I found out about this just a couple of days ago. But we're going to get together. We're going to pray. If you've got some ideas, we're, we're going to try to do something in the next few weeks. And here's what I'm saying this. This is why I'm including this in this message. It would be really tempting for us to say, Christmas is coming up and man, I got this to do and this to do and this to do and this to do. But I'm here to tell you that God has got a public school to reach out to a church to say, can you help us heal? Can you help us heal? And I'm telling you, we're going to make time. And I I hope and pray that everybody will plan to be there. We're going to try to do it like on a Friday night. We're going to work all this out and we'll let you know as soon as we can. And we're going to invite you to help out in a lot of ways. It's going to be something we all have to pull together so we can get it done in a short time. But can we trust that God is going to provide not only our time, our energy, and our finances. We're not going to be greedy because God has been generous with us. And so I want to challenge us. Let's put this teaching into practice right here. Let's live it and let's love through it. God has been good to us. Let's show that goodness to everybody who needs to see it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have been so good. I 
thank you, God, that even though we don't deserve any of it, you've poured out your blessings on us lavishly and you continue to do that. And I pray, Father, that with our finances, with our time, with our energy, that everything that we give it all back to you and allow you to use it to touch people's lives and change people's eternities. And I pray, Father, that we would have our eyes open and become generous and cheerful givers of everything we have because, God, you have given it to us for a purpose to point back to you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for being good. Help us to trust you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement MC.